God's word. Can I say, can you say amen? amen? Come on, turn to Matthew chapter seven. Let's get into God's word. Matthew chapter seven. I, I'm going to finish up, kind of tie up a collection of sermons that we've been in uh, for a period of time where we just talk about some things, some cultural phrases that might be um, cultural, but it may not be Christian. They might be foundational to our life. They might direct us. They might lead us. They might guide us. But that doesn't mean that they are actually biblical. And so what we want to do, our lives, we want to submit our lives to the word of God. We want to allow the word of God to lead, to guide us. It is how we hear God's voice through his word and through his spirit. And we want to make sure that our life is not just a culturally sort of in rhythm, but we want to be in tune to the rhythm of God's grace uh, and of God's word. And so the one that I want to share, that I want to unpack, want to talk about is one that I know that I have said I know that I've said it, and here's what I know, that if I've said it, there's at least maybe three or four of you that have said it. And so here's the phrase today that we're going to look at. Mind your own business. Mind your own business. Sounds like I'm not alone. Sounds like some of you have said that. I'm minding my own business. Or maybe we've said to somebody else, hey, mind your business. And what I want to make sure is that as we're using that phrase... Man, that it's not one to just push us away from community. That we're not using that phrase so that we would stay in our own lane, which sounds good, right? It sounds like we're maturing. I'm just minding my own business, taking care of what's happening here. I'm not worried about what's happening there. But if we're not careful, what may be happening to us is not that we're just simply staying in our lane, but we actually might be coming indifferent towards one another because you and I, friends, we are not like the culture in which we live. We're not intended to live our lives ignoring our brothers and our sisters. Isn't this what we read early on in the Old Testament where Cain and Abel and there is this cry, am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to be keeping track of, of where this person's going and what they're doing? And the reality is you and I are called to live in community. And the way in which this Christian community should operate is not in isolation, but in interdependence, in a way in which you and I are connected and you and I are helping one another not just grieve and not just carry burdens, but we're helping one another grow in our faith. The New Testament says to this, that as the day is approaching, the returning of our Lord, we should be spurring one another on to live a life that is congruent with how Jesus called us to. I don't know about you, but I like, I like having people in my corner. I like when I preach and you say amen. amen. Yeah, come on, there it is. That was the moment. <laughs> so we're nervous. But in the same way, we, we like having that sense of feedback in our life. But if we're not careful, we take a posture where we are indifferent. We take a posture where we're not committed. We take a posture where we're not involved in the lives around us. And I don't have to tell you, the place that we live in, is one that statistically is talked about as one of the most lonely places in the country. There are people who are here with a desire and a passion to do good, to advance things forward, and sometimes the purpose and the mission that they're on is overwhelming in their life, and they feel as if they're all alone. One of the things I love about our church is that we are endeavoring not just to do life together in word, but we actually want to be here to spur Another on, we want to be here so that we can grow. And so I want us to go to the text this morning, Matthew chapter 7. 
And here's what the Bible says. This is Jesus talking. He's in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And I've said this before, and I'll probably say this for my entire life, that Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, if I were not to read any other portion of the Bible, if I were just to read those three chapters, they could keep me busy for the rest of my life. Trying to not just understand them, but actually to implement them in to my life. Many of us have a great understanding of the scripture. We can comprehend it, but we don't have a good follow through or implementation plan in our life. The Sermon on the Mount challenges, the Sermon on the Mount calls, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus's first sermon. This is kind of the opening act. He's winding this message, he's winding this sermon down, and I want you to hear the language and what he's saying. Jesus has been calling out the religious leaders throughout this message. He's been saying to the religious leaders, religious leaders, you're acting like hypocrites. In other words, you look one way and you're operating another. What I want you to notice is that Jesus now is taking that same language and now he's applying it to his very disciples and his very followers. And what does that mean? that you and I can get it wrong sometimes too. Listen to what he says in the Bible. He says, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Verse three, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye, you hypocrite. There's that language. He says, first, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly the speck out of your brother's. To take, see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Keep that in mind, and let's let our eyes drop down to verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but diseased tree, tree bears bad fruit, and a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Let's bow our heads and our hearts for prayer once again. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your word. It is indeed a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So God, I pray in the next few moments that the Holy Spirit would bring illumination into our minds and into our hearts. That you would also, God, help us. Help us to respond to your word. Lord, I pray that your word would encourage us. I pray that your word would challenge us. God, I pray that we'd even posture our lives, that we might even receive a rebuke from your word, that we might change accordingly and submit ourselves to the word of God today. We thank you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. The, the scripture kind of moves in sort of three rhythms when you think about it. It talks about not judging. It talks about not sitting in a posture of judgment over people. It talks about then blind spots, and then it talks about fruit. Our, our car, our family car, is a, an SUV, and, and on this SUV, on the side windows, there are uh, these sensors 
that if a, another car kind of comes up on our side and gets in what's known as the blind spot, that light kind of goes off. It's a little orange sort of light. Maybe your car has that as well. But, but looking in the room, there are many of us in this room that started driving and remember a time when we didn't have that sort of technology, where you had a, a blind spot in your car, a car where another car is, is not able to be seen well. You with me? We had the blind spot. And, and one of two things would happen. You would either kind of come over in that lane and just run that person clear off the road. That's the first thing. Or you, you would sort of kind of go, and, and then you have to self-correct in a moment, and then the people in your car, what are they doing? Oh, you know how to drive? You know. We all have blind spots. We have places in our lives, just like in our vehicles, that there are things happening and going on and stuff that we're maybe not aware of, how it's approaching and how it's affecting us, and we're not able to see it. And yet, if we don't find a way to negotiate around that, someone, something is going to get hurt. One of the things that my family loves to do in, in this season, uh, that fall is here, in the beginning of it, we like to go apple picking. Anybody else like to go apple picking? Anybody else forced to go apple picking with their wives like I am? Great, awesome, cool. In the same place. Apple picking is this amazing thing. You can buy and get a, uh, pick a bag of apples, and that same apple that you would buy for $4, and that bag of apples that you buy for four hours in your grocery store, you can pay $35 for it. It's just amazing. And so apparently there's gold inside of those apples because what morons would pay $35 for a bag of apples? <laughs> this guy. Um... <laughs> But it's a tradition in our family, and you know this about tradition, and you have some of these traditions in your family. If you try to cancel a family tradition, there's going to be an uproar. And I just want to say to you, I'm not in the business of making Mrs. Dawes that kind of angry. This is her jam. She loves it. In the season, we go apple picking. The season, we also, in the beginning of the season, we turn our fireplace on a little bit too early. Anybody else here have to deal with that? Because fake falls are a real thing got a couple days where the temperature drops, you pull out your hoodies. Next thing you know, it's 85 degrees. You're wearing a hoodie and the fireplace is on and it's time to go apple picking. Praise God. This year we went to this, uh, this farm and I went out there and as we were, we were getting ready, kids have got the tools. We have great attitudes, obviously, and we're ready to, to go. This is Nicole's favorite thing to do. And it's our family's favorite thing to do. And here we go. And the lady pulls aside. She says, Hey, be careful. And she points it there. She says, there's some area up there. She says it was damaged with a, a hailstorm that came through. And she says, if you go and try to pick fruit off of the trees that are damaged, the fruit on the tree is also damaged, and it's not going to be any good, and you don't want to get that fruit. So in other words, if the tree is damaged, then the fruit that it produces is also damaged and won't be good to eat. I want you to keep this in mind, because as we think about these scriptures, we're supposed to think about this idea that that the way in which the church engages with people, the way in which the community of faith engages with people, what does Jesus say? He says, don't judge. Don't judge them. And judging in the scriptures in the Greek has a lot of different meanings. It can talk about kind of a judgment that is given where someone is awarded something. It can talk about a judging of a situation, maybe who won and who lost. But here, the words that Jesus is using and the way that it is weighted is it's talking about sort of a, a final judge of whether a person is, is righteous or not righteous. You've heard this phrase culturally, right? Only God can judge me. Anybody have that tattooed on their chest? No? That was kind of a thing in the 90s. Shout out to Tupac. Shout out to Master P. 
Didn't know if anybody got caught up in that. Glad there's no chest tats of only God can judge me. But that phrase, the sentiment's true, isn't it? What's the verse in James? It's going to be on the scripture here. Let's read it together. James 4.12. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. I love this life. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Can, Can I offer this thought to you? Because it's in the beginning of the text, and sometimes we miss it and we pass by it. But here's the caution. There's many places in the scripture where Jesus says things like this. It's this powerful, this weighty. He says, the way that you judge other people, that's the way in which you're going to be judged. Ooh. Now, this is not to erase grace. This is not to erase mercy. This is not to erase the doctrine of salvation. But it is for us to understand the way in which we're to posture our life, if we have received mercy, is to give mercy. We're to posture our lives that way. We can't posture in this seat of, of authority that only Jesus sits in. We gotta get used to being aware that there's places in our life that need attention. Then Jesus goes on to give this wonderful illustration where he, he talks about how there's something in your eye, and, and yet there's something in your eye, but you're you're focused on something that's smaller in somebody else's somebody else's eye. He says, not only do I want you to judge, he says, but I, I want you also to live in such a way that you are connected to one another and you are not lording over them and pretending as if you are more holy than you actually are. And then Jesus says this bit about pigs and pearls. See, not only does Jesus want the community of faith to live a life that is true, under mercy, But he also wants them to be discerning because the message, the kingdom of heaven, this word that they have received, Jesus says, listen, don't waste your time trying to get people who have already rejected the message, people that are going to ridicule the message. He says, listen, don't waste your life trying to get those people to grab hold of this treasure because they don't see the value in what it truly is. Be careful that you're not offering to pigs the pearls. Then he says, listen, I want you to judge the people that are in your life by the fruit that they have. And here's the part for us as a church that we've got to wrestle with. Jesus says, don't judge. But then what does he also say? Discern what's going on in the situations that we're surrounded in. What's going on in the lives in which people that we're connected with. Be able to, be able to discern the fruit. I'm not judging the person in terms of deciding whether they're in or out. But what I am doing is discerning what's happening here and Hear me, church, there are far too many Christians who are taking the step back over and over again from even sitting in a place of discernment on what's happening because they're unwilling to step on a toe. They're unwilling to call a spade a spade. And listen to me, you and I are set and called to discern what is happening around us. Is this good? Is this evil? Is this righteousness? Or not. We're not supposed to live disengaged. We're not supposed to live like hypocrites, but we're also not to live like people who simply just say to one another, minding my own business. I'm going to remind you what my mom used to tell me when I was a, a teenager. I would smart off to her from across the house, and I want you to understand the proximity in that. I would not do this in close quarters, because my mom will catch it, catch it she'll, she'll jab me. Mom don't play. I remember saying, Mom, mind your own business. Some of y'all felt that, right? You felt the trouble that was coming. 
mind your business, mom. <laughs> Make sure dad wasn't there. <laughs> you only get away with certain things if dad's not in the house. Hey, mom, why don't you mind your business? And you know what mom would tell me? She says, honey, you are my business. And I was like, man, one day I'm going to use that on my kids. And the day's coming, kids. <laughs> I got it ready right here on the hip. You are my business, you know. But, you know, can I tell you this? There were moments where it would frustrate me. But can I tell you now I understand? I understand the, the love that was in my mom when she would say, you are my business. Can I, can I offer this to you? I really want us to be a church that doesn't mind our own business. I want us to be a church that that is discerning what is happening in the culture around us. I want us to be a church that is also engaged in one another's lives so that we might spur one another on to live according to the word of God and to become who God has called us to become. So listen, if you've got your notes today, I've got a few things that I want to offer you. been off for a couple weeks. I'm giving you four, not three. just want to prepare you for it. And you know if I say four, that means I've probably hidden some other things in there, so it's going to feel like ten. The first thing I want you to write down is simply this. Mercy, not judgment, is the mark of a disciple. Mercy. It is by grace, Ephesians chapter 2. It is by grace that you and I have been saved. This is the mercy of God, meaning this. Grace is the gift of God. Mercy is because you and I don't deserve it. Is there anybody in God's house today that's grateful that we are not on the receiving end of what we deserve, but we are living under the grace and under the mercy of of God, the Old Testament says this, that he is faithful, but that he is compassionate and everlasting love. He's good to all, the Bible says. You and I are to live according to that. So I'll say it this way. Don't weaponize truth. You may have the truth, but you need to distribute the truth in the manner of Jesus. I say it like this often. If you are not doing things in the way of Jesus, then it doesn't mean that you are doing them for Jesus. We must posture our lives to do things in the way of Jesus so we don't weaponize truth. We don't use other situations to make us feel more pious. Here's that, that, how that might look. Oh, what are you going through? Oh, tell me more. Tell me more. And then we get in the car and we do things like this, like, man, I'm glad I ain't going through that. And what happens is we can let things creep into our soul that begins to make us feel more pious just because we're not in the situation that someone else might find themselves in. I'll say it this way. Forgiven people, forgive. Forgiven people, forgive. And so listen, I know we're coming into the holiday season and the holiday season for some of you is a... Man, it's like a family reunion, and you get together, and you see friends and family and loved ones and cousins you didn't even know that you had. Man, it's a great celebration. But there are some of you in the room that when you get around, you get around your family, past traumas seem to rise to the surface. Because maybe there's difficult situations, and maybe there's some abuse in your past, and maybe there have been some things that are just terrible in, in your families. And listen to me, I, I know enough of us in this room where that is true. You go sometimes to certain places and it brings certain memories back in mind. Some of you, you're following Jesus and this is a new reality for your family. 
You're going to come in and here you are different and you're week in and week out living in environments like this where people are championing you to follow the way of Jesus and you get back into some settings with your family members and they just keep bringing up how you used to operate and what you used to do and how you used to live and, and that's just not a good vibe for you. So hear me on this. You and I are followers of Jesus and so we don't get to create boundaries in a way to keep us from forgiving one another. I'm not saying that boundaries are wrong. and I'm not saying that you shouldn't have them. But I'm saying your boundaries do not keep you from the call of forgiveness that Jesus has laid before us. You see, in the same way that the scripture says the way that we judge others is the way that we're going to be judged, Jesus also says the way in which you forgive others is the manner in which you will be forgiven. Some of you right now are the hang-up in your life. You got your life like, like it's, it's working good. You're, you're following Jesus, man. Things are going good. You're, you're doing the Bible reading plan. And like you're, you're, you're in. You're listening to podcasts. You're reading books. Like you've never been in a spiritual rhythm like you are right now. You show up on time to church. Like you're singing all the songs. Like you're, you're engaged, right? And yet there's an area of your life, unforgiveness, that you haven't leaned into, and it's causing all sorts of problems for you in your life. And I just want to draw attention to that. I want the Holy Spirit to like press on that, that place in your life. Some of you right now, yes, there is someone that you need to forgive, and you need to hear this, that forgiveness doesn't excuse their behavior. Forgiveness doesn't mean what they did was right. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to reconcile the relationship. Forgiveness just simply means that you are releasing them. You are no longer holding that against them. Why? Because you have been forgiven. This is the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is not to receive mercy and then not give it. The way of Jesus is to receive forgiveness of our sins and recognize that we don't deserve it and neither does the person who you are called to forgive either. It's not about that. For us, the way of Jesus, the mark of a disciple is mercy. The second thing that I want you to write down is simply this. Become more aware of your plank. Become more aware of your plank. Self-awareness is the ability to understand and recognize your own thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. Part of you and I maturing in the faith, maturing as Christ followers, is to grow in knowing ourselves, becoming more aware of who we are. And let me just give you a couple things that are helpful in how we can mature and grow in our self-awareness. Listen to me. Some of you in this room, you have a high EQ. You are really self-aware. You know when your breath stinks. You know when you're talking too close. You, 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 under, you have a good self-awareness. You have a good EQ. And then there's some of you You don't. You overshare. You stay too long. Go home. Some of y'all are in restaurants. We're sitting at the front trying to go get a seat, trying to eat. You're just there for hours like you own the place. Eat quick. Get going. Hang out in your living room, not in public. That's a personal place. I felt that a little bit, huh? That was a personal deal. That wasn't for that was me. Stop staying in Starbucks for seven hours. Go to WeWork. Are they still open? I'm joking. A couple of them are. Um, 
But when a grown self was, so let me give you just a couple of these things. And this, is, this won't feel spiritual, but it is. Reflection. You need to have some time in your life. Carve out some time for reflection. Good players in sports watch game film to prep. Great players go back and watch themselves after the game. So you and I need to have a rhythm where we're reflecting. If you want a spiritual discipline with this, it's, it's the Ignatian Examine. Is where you and I get, get spaces and rhythms of our life where we are, are going through and we're just checking in our, on, our, on our day. Man, were we moving towards the Lord? Were we moving away from him? But there's got to be an area and a space and a time for reflection. Strengthen yourself in being present. Man, wherever your feet are, be in that moment. If it's in a conversation, man, be, be looking at them. Be, be, be nodding your head. Pay attention to your thoughts and your emotions in the moment. If you're at work and something's going down and it's like that, it's about to go down moment. And here you are, you're in this meeting and it's contention. Pay attention to how you're feeling. Some of you right now, you don't like conflict. Me bringing up conflict feels like it's confrontational. And I'm just letting you know, I wake up every day looking for conflict. I love it. I love it. Someone told me early on in my, in my life, as a mentor, he said, Charlie, confrontation plus caring equals growth. And I'm like, great, confront everyone. Not sure that's what he meant, but that's how I'm living. Imagine Nicole's life. Blessing. But, but have a sense of going, man, what's happening in this moment? If you start to feel that, that feeling, I don't know how to describe it in other words, but that, that crunchy feeling inside when your, your toes curl up and it's a conversation you don't want to have, pay attention to how you're feeling. Pay attention to what causes you to feel that way. Notice. Get good at noticing. But not noticing everything external, but notice what's going on and happening on the inside of you, your emotions, your behaviors, your actions. Be present. Another way we grow in our self-awareness is not just having reflection, not just being present, but also asking for feedback. Ask people in your life that are going to tell you the truth. Ask them some hard questions and be open to receiving. Man, one of the ways you can frame that is you can ask a friend. Hey, how, how do I come across? How would you describe me? And then listen. Now listen, let me help you with this. You got to ask a close friend who loves you that question. If you ask the wrong friend that question, they're going to beat you up. They've been waiting for that moment, right? Some of us have made the mistake where we ask someone for feedback and they've just been waiting for the moment to beat us to pieces. I'm going to say a word that for some of you is going to bring back bad memories. Are you ready? 360 evaluation. Yeah, you've had some of those too, huh? Those are God's gift. Wrapped up in a tool of Satan. Maybe you take some assessments. Some of you in this room, I said assessments and you want to walk out the door. Some of you in this room, if you see one on Facebook, you take it every time. You've taken it four times. It's the same one. You just want to see if you, you want to see if you changed. Right? There's, there's a way in which these are all helping us get to know ourselves a little bit better. Maybe for some of you, you have a counselor, you have a coach, you have a mentor. Getting the perspective of a professional that's maybe further down the road, or they, they've got some tools or some handles to help you grow in an area of, of self-awareness. And finally, here, here's the most important part of these. So there's just some, here's the most important, prayer in the word. 
Some of you have been spending your life trying to get to know yourself better and you haven't been asking the one who made you. Spend some time in the word. Spend some time in prayer. And let that be the foundation from which you grow in your self-awareness. Let that be the place from which you start. Here's the third thing I want you to write down. It's simply this. After we are becoming more aware of our plank, then we help them with the speck. Look at the text. I want to... And sometimes I, I read the Bible and, and maybe there's some things I didn't notice before, but maybe I noticed. And this week I noticed this differently. I've always talked about the, the, the rhythm of like, and take the plank out of your eye before you take the speck out of someone else's. I've always understood that pretty, pretty well. What I noticed this week that I thought was interesting is that taking the plank out of our eye is the first step so that we still can help the person with the speck in theirs. It's not that we're just supposed to become aware of our hypocrisy and then we sort of have this weird, awkward moment in relationship. You see, what Jesus is doing is he's talking to his disciples and he's wanting them to know that, listen, in the way in which you live your lives together, you can't sit in these seats of judgment over one another. He said, that's not the posture. And so he gives them this illustration. And what I want you to notice in the illustration is the person coming and he says, I've got a speck in my eye. Think about this. The person would not have known they had a speck in their eye unless the person told them. Haven't we had this moment before? We've gone to someone and we're like, I got, I got something in my eye. You see it? I got something in my eye. And we all have friends that will do one of two things. They'll go, I don't see nothing. Or you have the friend who's a liar and they go, yeah, I see it. I see that thing right behind your eyeball. You don't see it. But I want you to notice the honesty, the vulnerability, the trust that the person with the speck in their eye is exercising to the person in community who they thought was a friend. Hey, I got this little thing in my life, and it might sound like this. Hey, I'm, I'm going through something, and I just felt like carrying it alone was a little bit too difficult, and so I wanted to... I wanted to share this with you. Maybe I'm going through a, a season that I thought I was past or I thought I had gotten victory over and I, I find myself back in that space again. And you feel how that, would, how that would feel to say that. We've all had moments where we've said a vulnerable thing and it was like you, you're like laying it out here. And Jesus says... Those of you who are hypocrites, the way that that sounds is the person comes to you, I have a speck in your eye, and you're going, I can't believe you're dealing with that. I'm way past that. I'll deal with that ever again. No, and, and, and they posture themselves in a way not of bringing, bringing unity within the community, but of actually creating division. And Jesus says the problem with that is the moment you do that, what happens is the thing in your life is actually much greater than the thing that was in their life. So Jesus says you've got you've to become more aware, not just of the plank in your eye, but then you've got to move to helping the other person with the speck in theirs. This is all an illustration on what the biblical community is supposed to look and feel like. Where we're not pretending that we don't deal with stuff. And we're not acting pompous and arrogant and judgmental, but we are looking for one another. We are all people with specks in our eye, and we're just looking for somebody that can help us get a sense where we can see better. 
We can get someone to help us remove that peace from us. But here's what will keep us from being the type of community that is flourishing and thriving in this type of maturity. When we are unwilling to pay attention to the blind spots in our own life because we're trying to posture ourselves. Listen, I just want to, I want to set all of us free in this moment. Don't nobody in this room, on this platform, have it all figured out. Nobody's kids are perfect. Nobody's marriage is without difficulty. Nobody's living in here single, killing it in every area of their life. Nobody. Nobody's profession is turning out the way in which they always had dreamed and designed from day one. We've all had detours. We're on, on plan. Lord knows how many by now. And yet God is faithful. God is working. And God is working in and amongst the community who is willing to say, man, there ain't nothing in my eye. No, 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 no. He's working through a community that's willing to say, in spite of what I'm going through, let me get some freedom here, but the freedom that I'm going to receive is actually so now that I can help you receive freedom as well. You know where this illustration is, is played out beautifully? When you're on an airplane, you see it worked out. What do the, what the, what the attendants say to us? The part of the, the thing where you're not paying attention. Yes. I always love this. He says, in the, in the event that we lose air pressure, he said, there's going to be a mass that's going to fall out of the ceiling. Like, that's not going to be disturbing. He says, hey, but the first thing you got to do is you got to put the mask on first. You got to take care of you first. Because if you don't do that, you're no help to anyone else. There are some of you in this room that have a desire to minister to other people in their life, to help, to come alongside. That is a beautiful and noble and God-given call and purpose. The problem is you're not tending to yourself first. You're trying to pull specks out of people's eye when there is a log sticking out of your face. You're trying to help someone put their mask on and you're over here choking to death because you haven't taken the time and done the work to put the mask on yourself. Are y'all tracking with me? The final thing I want you to write down is simply this, that you and I are to check the receipts and expect the fruit. If I had my wallet on me right now, I would, I would show you just this, uh, this super, super thing I have. Um, it's kind of exclusive. Kind of a gold member. Love it. A little place called Costco. <laughs> if you don't know, better ask somebody. Um, I can go in there and get five gallons of mayonnaise whenever I want. <laughs> can buy tires and fruit <laughs> in the same place. Pretty awesome. Love Costco. Didn't love Costco as a kid. As an adult, I'm actually not allowed to go to Costco without permission. <laughs> Cole gives me a list. And I have this beautiful thing that I'm able to do is I'm able to create a list that isn't the one I was given. And I tell Nicole, I said, listen, I'm led by the Spirit, Nicole. These are all the things you should have put on this list and you didn't. You know what I hate about 
Costco, I'm just going to say this. If you know people that are in charge at Costco, tell them this. Tell them to fix this. Here's what I hate. You go to checkout at Costco. Line is always ridiculous. I got to help people box stuff. Don't like that either. I'm a gold member of Costco. Apparently they forgot. It's a gold star literally on my card. They forgot that. So I got to go through this whole thing of like checking out. Got to put it back in the basket. Go into the door. And then what do I have to do? You see all the things I bought? I hate that part of it. I own all of this. I paid. Ask that person. Check me out. It's my receipt. And then they do this. <laughs> I like when I get the person that doesn't care about their job. And they go, oh, that's fine. You want? <laughs> Love that one. Yeah, quality worker. Give me that guy every time. But every now and then, you get the person who takes their job as serious as I take the privilege of being a Cold Star member of Costco. And they've got the receipt, and they're like, huh. You got three things of ribs. Huh. Oreo cookies. Looks at me judging me, and I'm like, back off, they're vegan. Checking the receipt. See, we've got to get into the rhythm in our life where we're checking receipts, where we're inspecting fruit. Yeah, I get it. We're not supposed to be in a judgmental posture. We, we've talked about that. We don't want to cross over the line and we're not, we're not con condemning people. That's not what we're doing. But listen to me, especially in God's house, we're checking receipts and we're inspecting fruit. And here's what that means. If there's things going on in your life, you need to be thankful that there are people that are going to go, hey, man, that ain't it. That ain't it. Been having a conversation with some people recently, and during the conversation, the guy, the guy says to me, he says, Pastor Charlie, I don't like you. He says, I don't like you. He said, I don't want to hear any of what you're telling me. And I go, I know. I know. I said, I love you. I said, I'm like the skill at the gym. I don't lie. I said, I love you. I said, because I love you, I'm going to tell you the truth. And I know you don't want to hear a bit of it. Because it's not what you want to do. I'm inspecting the receipts. I'm talking about some things that have been historical. Let me tell you what my therapist said to me one time. He said, Charlie, if it in your life is coming out hysterical, it's probably historical. And I was like, ooh. Pay attention to the stuff that is happening, stuff that you feel like you're beyond, stuff that you feel like you're past, something that's in, in your history. Man, check the receipts and just see what's happening, but also be the sort of people that are inspecting the fruit. We want to expect the fruit of one another's lives. Why? Because damaged trees produce damaged fruit. We've all had the frustration where we've peeled an orange that looked good and we've eaten it and it's like, ugh. Tastes like concentrate. I don't want our lives to be producing fruit that looks good but doesn't taste good. I don't want our lives to be producing fruit that is maybe it looks good on one side, but the other half is rotten. On our apple picking adventure, I grab hold of an apple, and I'm telling you, on this side, that thing looked beautiful. I was like, oh, this is the one. 
And then on the backside, I'm like, oh, this is the one that got Eve. Like, it looks evil. <laughs> Just like rotted out. Because sometimes from afar, the fruit might look good, but the closer you get to it, you recognize that mm -mm, this ain't it. This passage is talking, yeah, give up seats of judgment, but grow in the gift of discernment. My pastor taught me when I was younger, he said, Charlie, there's a few things that you need to pray for yourself every day. So every day I pray for wisdom. Every day I pray for favor. Every day I pray over myself discernment. I ask God for discernment. Help me to be able to judge between the spirits of light and the spirits of darkness. Help me to see and feel what's happening around me with spiritual eyes, not just physical eyes. I want to grow in discernment. Some of y'all, y'all know that feeling. You walk into your place, you're like, mm, this don't feel right. If it don't feel right, leave. If you're about to enter into a business deal and you have a check in your spirit, don't, don't just say yes because of the bottom line. Check the receipts. Inspect the fruit. Our lives should be producing fruit that is both attractive and it also is tasty. Church, will you bow your heads? Would you pray with me today? Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your grace, for your mercy. I thank you, God, that you desire for us to not simply just enter into the kingdom of heaven, not just enter into the kingdom of God, but you desire that there would be real change. We're not just playing a part. We're not just acting like we got it all together. You want us to mature and move from glory to glory. Maybe you're here and you'd say, Charlie, I need, I need some help. I, I got a judgmental spirit and a judgmental attitude and I, man, I got to let that go. I got to, man, I can't do that. I can't do that. If that's you and you just know that's something that the Holy Spirit's dealing with you right now in this moment, and by an uplifted hand, you just say, I, I want to surrender that. I'm going to lay that at the foot of the cross. Hands are already going up. But if that's you, you say, Charlie, I've just been, I've been acting, I've been living a little bit too judgmental. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. Maybe you're here and you'd say, Charlie, I, I want to grow in my discernment. I want the Lord to give me eyes to see and ears to hear. True discernment. Not just an intuition, not just discernment, led by the Holy Spirit. If that's you and you say, Charlie, I, I want to grow in that. The Holy Spirit is leading me, guiding me. Yeah, hands are lifted. Who else? I want to grow in discernment. Sometimes discernment is timing as well. Sometimes growing in the discernment of the Lord is also just a better sense of the timing of the Lord. The timing of the Lord. And then finally, we need to produce fruit. And the Bible gives us the list of the fruit that we are supposed to 
grow in, that we're supposed to flourish, thrive, not one time, but over and over, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. God, we want the fruit of self-control, God. that's you and you'd say, Charlie, I need, I'm not producing fruit in a way that's pleasing to God. You just know on the inside, you're not producing fruit like he's designed you to. Some of you, that means that sporadic fruit that you've been producing, that ain't it. And you know it. When I use the words like flourishing and thriving, you know, that's not, that's not where you at, where you're at or how you would describe it. And you would just say in the, in this moment, you, you sense the Holy Spirit drawing you. You say, I just, I want my life to produce fruit. Fruit. Success is not a fruit of the Spirit. Not demonizing it. I just think some of us have been chasing it as if it was love. And you can be chasing success all you want. And to the Lord, it might look like rotten fruit. If that's you, I want you to respond to that in the moment. Some of you, this is a producing fruit that God's pleased with. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, ma'am. Sir. Thank you. Thank you. That's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. That's what these moments are. These are moments of repentance. Moments where we go, oh, I'm not going. I'm not going the way, the way of Jesus. I'm not going the way. Oh. And the Holy Spirit brings us back. The Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit is tender to us. Church, we stand to your feet all across the room. As we close today. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Just one, one more final thing. If you're here... And you need to surrender your life to Jesus. You know Jesus historically. You know Jesus because we talk about him a lot here. But, but in your life, you have not confessed him as Lord and Savior. You don't know him as Lord and Savior. And I want to give you the opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus before we leave, before we break for Thanksgiving. Heads bowed, eyes closed just going to ask you to lift your hand. I want to know who I'm praying for. I want to pray with you. And I want to give you some instructions. Well, if that's you, you're here, you'd say, Charlie, I need to, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to receive salvation for my sins. I need my sins to be removed from me. The Bible says as far as the East is from the West. You want to confess Jesus as Lord, surrender your life to him. I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand. On the count of three, one, two, Three, amen, 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 amen. Praise God. You put those hands down. Here's what I want us to do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. I want all of us to pray this out loud. I want us to pray it strong. 
person to your left or to your right might have raised their hand and I want them to hear your voice praying with them, praying for them. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for dying on a cross so that I could have life and life to the full. I believe I receive the finished work of Jesus dying on a cross, being raised again to new life so that I could have life and life to the full. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. The Bible says that when we confess that Jesus is Lord, we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that he died and he was raised again. The Bible says that what happens in us is that Jesus then becomes Lord of our life. That confession is a very powerful thing. So here's what I want you to know. I mean, when you leave this place, that the weight of your sin, the penalty of your sin, is no longer on you. But it doesn't mean that walking with Jesus is always going to be an easy thing. And so this is why community, that's why church is important. So I just want to say this to you. If you have prayed that prayer, you're surrendering your life to Jesus. We want to walk alongside you. We want to help you. We want to help you grow. We want to help you mature. We want to help you flourish. So all we would say is this. Let somebody know. Whether it's a QR code on the screen that you're scanning, you're filling out, you want somebody to reach back out to you. Maybe you'll stop by the info bar and just let somebody know. We want to come alongside you. We want to help you grow in grace. We want to help you grow uh, as you follow Jesus. And so may you leave this place knowing that you and I are not in seats of judgment over one another. But may you know that we have been called to deal with the things in our life so that we might help others who are dealing with things in their lives. That we do it shoulder to shoulder in community, side by side. May your life also produce fruit, fruit that is attractive. That when people see it, they give praise and honor to a God who is unseen. May you flourish in the production of fruit, but may you also grow in discernment. May you check the receipts. May you bear the fruit. May you go in the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the power and the fellowship that comes through the Holy Spirit until we get together uh, next week. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Grace and peace, church. Love you so much.